Amen. Hey, if you would join me in Mark chapter 4. That's where we're going to be at in the scriptures uh, today. We're going to be talking about getting to the other side with Jesus. And uh, that's what our message is going to be about this morning. You know, when quarantine first started, there were a lot of people who were saying, we're in this together. We're all in this together. It seemed like every commercial, every ad kind of tried to kind of talk about what we were all going through and then at the end just kind of tag their logo, like, don't forget to buy from us. Um, I never watched High School Musical, but they released a compilation uh, song, everybody singing from uh, where they were at in quarantine, singing, we're all in this together. Well, I think we can all appreciate that sentiment, that inner crisis, we're all in this together. It didn't really feel like we were all in this together because they were singing from their beach homes and their yachts. And we were singing from our houses. In fact, when quarantine hit, it became pretty clear that some people could do this very differently than others. There were lots of people who left New York. They fled New York to go to their second homes, to go on their yachts. And kind of one of the most infamous moments was when this uh, CEO, this, this producer with DreamWorks, David Geffen, he, he posted on Instagram this photo of his $570 million yacht. $570 million yacht. And it was with the sunset behind it in the, and I think I'm going to mess up this island's name, the Grenadines. See, I'm not even rich enough to know how to say Grenadines. But it's this set of islands in the Caribbean. And he said, I hope everyone's staying safe. We are isolated here in the Grenadines. Like, don't you just feel sorry for him, isolated there on his $570 million yacht in the Caribbean? And then there were towns like Stowe, Vermont, where... So many people own second homes, vacation homes, summer homes in Stowe, Vermont, that during quarantine their population tripled because one-third of the homes in Stowe are owned by people who live in Stowe. That's their primary residence. And there were articles published in some of the elite magazines about things that people have had to deal with in making their second home their primary residence. And I'm like, man, that's just so hard on them. That's difficult. During this time, the Babylon Bee, which is a satire site, for those of you that have posted stuff from their site thinking it's real, it's satire, it's a joke. They posted an article saying that in a great show of unity, celebrities off the coast of Malibu put their yachts together to spell out the words, we're all in this together. So, in this day and age, in this post-quarantine pandemic time, the phrase, we're all in this together, can be very trite. But I want you to look at this passage with me and see that, that Jesus came to be with us. And that when the disciples faced this dangerous moment, when they faced this, this stressful, exhausting, they faced this crisis, that Jesus was there with them. I want to talk to you about the God who came to be with us in our storm, in our mess. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35 says, On the same day, 
When evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. How many of you are ready to get onto the other side of the pandemic? Ready to get on the other side of this? Ready for things to go back to some sort of normalcy? Jesus said, Let's get to the other side. And Jesus had a reason for getting to the other side of the sea. In Mark chapter 5, we read the story about Jesus coming onto the coast of the Gadarenes, and there on the coast of the Gadarenes, he encounters the demoniac. And he casts demons out of this man. The man's life is transformed. People push Jesus out. He would go back across the sea. Jesus went across the ocean to meet this one man and change his life. And that man would become a witness to Jesus' power in the Decapolis, which is the region of ten cities on that side of the sea. So Jesus had an important purpose to get to the other side. He had an important reason to cross the sea. It wasn't to go on an afternoon cruise. It wasn't to go and just take in the scenery. It was to go and to rescue someone. That's the reason he was crossing the other side. Now, I don't know about you, but I had a lot of plans for 2020. And I had plans for things that I wanted to do personally, things that were going to be enjoyable. But I also had a lot of plans for us to reach broken people. Had a lot of plans for us to reach out to those who need to be rescued like that demoniac on the other side of the sea. I had a lot of plans for impact we were going to have. And so I'm ready to get to the other side because I want us to get back to doing that work. I've never gone so long without preaching in the Warwick County Jail in the last several years. I'm not able to go in there and do that ministry. I'm ready to get to the other side because there is work to be done. But you know what's interesting? Jesus, I think Jesus had some pretty important work to do, don't you think? I mean, I think if anybody could have said, like, listen, sorry, I got places to go, people to see, things to do, it would be Jesus. But Jesus walks everywhere he goes. Only time we see Jesus riding a donkey is when he's riding into Jerusalem towards his crucifixion. Jesus doesn't rush. How many times have you said something along the lines of, I wish I could be in two places at once, or I need to be in two places at once? Jesus could have done that. Jesus could have gone wherever he could have said, I need to be in the gatherings now. Snapped his fingers, said the word, and be on the other side of the sea. But he walked and he journeyed with the disciples everywhere that he went. And so if you're feeling a little held back from the important things that you need to do, just remember that Jesus walked everywhere. The next time that somebody's going 55 and a 60, and it's testing your faith, Remember, Jesus always walked at a couple miles per hour. So Jesus is going to take the disciples, as the disciples take him to the other side, and they encounter an interruption. They encounter something that is difficult. Let's look back at verse 36. Now when they had left the multitude, Jesus had been doing ministry, they took him along in the boat as he was, 
Jesus was already in the boat because there, would be, there were so many people that had gathered on the coast, on the beach to hear Jesus preach, that he got in a boat to give some, some distance between him and the crowd so everyone could see him and he could project his voice off of the water to everyone. Verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. I don't know a whole lot about boats, but I know that that's not good when the water is getting in the boat and it's filling up. Verse 38, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples find themselves in a storm. They find themselves in a crisis. But good news, Jesus is with them. But when they look back at Jesus for rescue, Jesus is asleep. Jesus is completely unaware of what's going on. He is snoozing. He's taking a nap. Now let me just tell you that if you've never preached a sermon, it's incredibly exhausting. Like I cannot describe to you the naps that I'm able to take on Sunday afternoon. They are amazing. This is a different kind of tired. And Jesus had been preaching for a long period of time to A multitude of people on the coast. He's projecting his water off the sea. He doesn't have a microphone like I have. He's not not able to to amplify his voice. He's, He's giving it extra effort to make sure that everyone can hear him. And when he's finally done teaching the crowds, he's exhausted. And he takes a nap in the boat. And this points out the fact that Jesus was human. That he came to be among us and he, he took upon himself the limitations of a man. He experienced hunger. He experienced weariness. And how incredible is it that the God of the universe who spoke the galaxies into existence, that he in this moment is taking a nap in the back of the boat. While Jesus was human, he was also clearly God. Because he stands from his nap and he tells the winds and the waters to cease and they obey him. That's pretty impressive. I can't even remember my own name when I first wake up from a nap. Jesus tells the winds and the waves to be still and they do. You see, in this moment that Jesus is asleep, he's not unaware of the crisis. He's still the God of heaven. He's still divine. He knows what is going on. He knows that this is a crisis moment, but he also knows that it's one he can solve in just 
a moment. Sometimes my kids will struggle with something. And I know that it's frustrating them. I know that they're fed up. I know that they're, they're angry with it. But I don't step in to rescue them right away. Because I know that it's something that I can handle. But I want them to wrestle with it a little bit. I want them to learn. And while they're getting frustrated, they'll say things like, Dad! And do you hear what's in that dad? That's not a loving, that's not a loving dad. That's a, Dad, are you going to help or not? Are you going to help me out? Can't you see that I'm struggling? And they go back to the back of the boat and they say, Jesus, Master, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus knew the danger of this moment, but he also knew that he could handle it in a moment. Now there's another story in scripture that tells us about a boat in the middle of the storm. It's about Jonah. Jonah has disobeyed God. He's running from God. He's on a boat. The boat is surrounded by a storm. The people are trying to keep the boat afloat. They go down to get stuff to throw overboard and they find Jonah asleep. And Jonah was asleep out of ignorance. But Jesus wasn't sleeping out of ignorance. Jesus was sleeping peacefully. You see, we need to be clear that a lack of action or a lack of movement that we can see or we can perceive of God does not mean that he's ignorant. We should also be clear that a lack of action is not the same as a lack of compassion. The disciples said, Lord, don't you care? As difficult as the crisis was, as scared as they were for their lives, they were a little indignant that God didn't even care that they were in a crisis. Now, that's silly. Because if you look back at Mark chapter 3, just one chapter previous, we have the story of Jesus going alone to the mountain and praying all night for who he would choose as his disciples. And he comes down from the mountain, comes down from that moment of presence with God, communing with God, asking God, praying over these names. He comes down and he calls these 12 men by name. He chose them. He called them to come along on this adventure with him. And then when a crisis arises, they wonder if he even cares about them. And someone here needs to hear this, okay? Do not believe the lie that just because life is difficult right now that God doesn't care. Because 2,000 years ago, he didn't come from down from a mountain. He came down from heaven. And after communing with his father in the garden and praying so intensely that he sweated drops of blood, he walked to the cross for you and for me. The God of heaven came down to pay the penalty of the price for our sins. How dare we entertain the idea that he doesn't care about us. He has gone to such great lengths to rescue us and redeem us, to call us as his own, to call us by name into this great adventure of the Christian life. But when things become difficult, 
We tell ourselves that God is not there or he doesn't know or he doesn't care. And it's not true. You see, all of us are desperate for meaning. It struck me just a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, I think it was, I was driving to Boonville and on the way to Boonville from Chandler, there is a billboard on the side of the road that says, come work for us and have a job with meaning. I don't even remember who it was for. I think it's for the, one of the, the, naval, the naval yard up, at, um, up north. But I thought it's so fascinating to me that here they're trying to advertise, they're trying to recruit people to come and work for them. And they're saying, if you want to have a job with meaning. Because the thing that we're all searching for is meaning. But I'd really like to have meaning without having to have that job, right? And the disciples, they were on a search for meaning and they wanted to be a part of this great thing that Jesus was going to do. They want to be a part of this new kingdom. But then when it became uncomfortable and dangerous, they weren't such big fans of it. And we all want meaning, but we also want comfort. And they very rarely coincide. The most meaningful, satisfying things that I have ever done in my life have been the hardest things that I have ever done in my life. But this, this sentiment, this idea, it's not new. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 44, 23, Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Arise, do not cast us off forever. This lie of Satan's is one from very old. It's one he told to Eve in the garden. God doesn't want you to eat that fruit because he knows what it'll do for you. It's the same lie repackaged and retold again and again. Things are difficult or you can't have what you want because God doesn't like you. But the truth is that God has a purpose even in this. Did you see what the disciples said in verse 41? Jesus says, don't be afraid. And they got even more afraid. They said, who is this that even the, the winds and the waves obey him? Now, the disciples had watched Jesus heal people. As he was doing ministry among this multitude, they heard him preach powerfully. People said when they heard Jesus preach that he taught as one with authority. Not like anybody else they'd ever heard preach before. So they've seen Jesus do miracles. They've heard Jesus preach the message. They've decided to leave everything and follow him. But in this moment, they see Jesus in a way that they've never seen him before. And it moves them. It's a powerful moment. And they say to one another, who can this be that even the winds and the waves obey him? You see, when we go through a crisis, when we go through a storm, we see a different side of Jesus than we've ever seen before. We come to appreciate him in a way that we've never appreciated him before. This is something new. And right now we are going through something that is completely different. Something that is unlike anything we've ever gone through. It's the reason we're constantly using words like unprecedented. But you know what we have right now? We have an unprecedented way to see Jesus. We have an unprecedented opportunity to see Jesus in all of his glory. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a good side and a bad side. I haven't found the good side yet, but it's there somewhere. And for you and I, there's a side that we like to show people. There's a face that we put on. There's a way that we act. And perhaps you've heard someone say, man, they got upset and a whole other side of them came out. That's normally a negative thing. 
But there are no bad sides to Jesus. There are no disappointing sides to Jesus. And every time we see him from a different angle, just like a, a diamond, every angle gives us another burst of light, another beauty of Christ. Every side of Jesus is magnificent. And we will learn more about Jesus in crisis because we see a different side of him. And we also see a truer reality of ourselves. In this moment of crisis, not only did the disciples see Jesus in a new way, they realized just how fearful they were. I mean, remember, some of Jesus' disciples were fishermen. I'm sure they would have said, no, I'm not scared to cross the Sea of Galilee. Been across it many times. I can handle it. But this storm brought them to their knees. Thomas Kempis said, It is good for us to encounter troubles and adversities from time to time. For trouble often compels a man to search his own heart. It reminds him that he is in exile here and that he can put, trust, put his trust in nothing in this world. I'm sure that when Peter got in that boat, he trusted in his experience on the sea. I'm sure that when James and John got in that boat, they weren't fearful because they had done this many times before. Been there, done that. But when this storm comes up, it reveals a weakness in them. It reveals that their experience and the things that they've trusted in in the past won't save them. That there are storms that can arise that they can't overcome. And if you've been paying attention, the pandemic has probably taught you that. That everything can be taken away. That everything can change. And that's a good, good place to be. Because our Kent Hughes says... God does not come to the self-sufficient. Christianity began and always begins with a spirit of need. A spirit of destitution. A spirit of desperation. So when we recognize just how much we are in need, we can see a new side of Jesus and a new side of our broken hearts. Not too long ago, I read a profile of this man who had started a business during the Great Depression. And that business became incredibly successful. And he was very wealthy, had plenty of money, so much money that his children and his grandchildren would never have to work a day in their lives. And the person interviewing this man asked him, what do you hope for your grandchildren? And he said, I know this is going to sound a little crazy, but I kind of wish they could go through a Great Depression. Because they'd learn lessons through that that they'd never learn otherwise. I know it doesn't feel like it, but we're blessed to have the opportunity to be in the middle of the storm with Jesus. To learn anew and in a fresh way who Jesus is, what he can provide for us. And that when everything else is taken away, he's there. Now, unfortunately, there's no guarantee that you learn lessons through crisis. Right? Because we've all had moments where we failed to learn a lesson. We've had to learn it again the second time, 
the third time, the 78th time. And it would be an absolute tragedy if we go through this time and we don't learn anything new. We don't recognize the brokenness in us that needs to change. But if you go through this with Jesus, and you get to the other side with Jesus, I promise you, you'll be better for it. You see, if you're with Jesus, you'll see his power and his peace can get you to the other side. You can see that what might seem like to other people just indifference or a lack of compassion or a lack of concern, you can see that God has this peace that passes understanding. What looked like to the disciples as a lack of compassion was in reality the peace that Jesus had. You know, there was another moment similar to this one for the disciples. John chapter 6 tells us that Jesus has been teaching multitudes and he tells them to go ahead and cross to the other side and he resorts to the mountains to pray. And as they're making their way, a storm arises. And they're probably like, man, I've never experienced so many storms in my life. I've been a fisherman, been on the sea my whole life. Now twice in a row, there's a, there's a, a sea change. Kind of happens when you start following Jesus. Everything's a learning moment. The disciples, they're by themselves, they're fighting against the wind, they're fighting against the waves, and they see a figure walking across the sea. And they're terrified because they think it's a ghost, but it's Jesus walking on the water to them. And John chapter 6 says that he calls to them, he says, do not be afraid, it is I, I'm here. Verse 21 of John 6 says, then they willingly received him into the boat. And I love, most people just kind of just brush past the second part of John 6, 21. They received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. They received Jesus into the boat and immediately they're where they were going to go. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're in the middle of the storm and Jesus is in the boat or he's not. But trust me, it's much better with Jesus in the boat. It's much better with Jesus in your life. And just like he was willing to cross the stormy sea to come and get in the boat with him, he is willing to come into your life. He crossed the galaxies to get into the middle of this mess, to be in the boat with us, to experience the, the, the hunger, to experience the weariness, to experience what we experience. He came to be with us. And I'm not telling you that when he gets in the boat with you that immediately you'll be right where you need to be. But you'll make a lot more progress, I promise you. Jesus came to us, he got in our boat, and he makes it possible for us to get to the other side. When the disciples would go out preaching the message of Jesus after his resurrection, you know what they would call it? They call it the way. Acts tells us that they would go and they would expound the way to them. Jesus told them when he departed, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. They said, how can we get there? He says, I am the way. I'm the way. 
Jesus not only comes to be in the middle of this boat with us, to be in the middle of this mess with us, to be in the middle of the crisis with us, he makes the way ahead for us. I heard a story about this lady who's on a church staff, and she immigrated from Cambodia. She was born in Cambodia right about the time that the Great Trouble started in Cambodia. The Khmer Rouge, when it came into power, put all of their political opponents to death. It would be like someone coming to power in the United States, and then if they were Democrat, put all the Republicans to death, or if they were Republican, put all the Democrats to death. They decided they were going to put anyone who affiliated with that party, anyone who was an enemy of their, their movement, they would put them to death. And over a million people in Cambodia were killed in the killing fields. This woman, she was, she was born in Cambodia. She was very small, though, when her mother carried her out of the country. And when quarantine began, she called her mother and was just kind of checking on her and trying to find out how she was doing, how she was managing day to day in this crisis. She said, honey, I'm just doing what I did in Cambodia. I'm just following the footsteps ahead of me. She said, mom, what do you mean? She said, well, when we were walking out of Cambodia, there were minefields everywhere. So you were careful to walk in the footprints of the person before you because you knew that there was no mine, there was no landmine there. So as long as you could follow someone's footprints, you knew that you were going to be safe. She says, now I'm following the footprints of Jesus. Because I know that he'll lead me to the other side safe. Jesus came to be with us in the middle of this mess and to show us the way to the other side. And I don't know how long the journey is going to be or how long this is going to last, but I know that if we follow Jesus, we'll not only be with him and see this new side of him, but he'll get us to the other side. 